So here in Psalm chapter number 12, what we're going to be doing is we're talking about a, a, a subject that is going to go past tonight. We're going to be opening up a, a series of these sermons, but I want to minister to you a message called God's Resume Builder. If you've ever had to get a job, you probably had to give a resume, unless it was a long time ago. But one of the things that people do today is they have to go to a resume builder because you may have had experience in something, but you don't know how to say it. So people help you create a resume. Amen. And somebody will look at your resume and see whether you're qualified or not. Amen. Well, what, what, what we want to look at tonight is that godly person has a particular resume that God looks at. In other words, there are characteristics and qualities in a godly person's life that God looks for. And so we're going to look at a resume being built of a godly person. These different aspects or components in our spiritual lives that create in us something or a, a vessel that God can use for his glory. So we're going to be resume building for the kingdom. Amen. Resume building for the kingdom. And so we're going, to be, we're going to begin this message with Psalm chapter number 12, beginning in verse number 1. Help, Lord. Now, if you ever get in a bind, that's a wonderful prayer. This is a, a very deep theological prayer. It kind of crosses all denominational lines. Help, Lord. Help, Lord. That, and this actually, in, in all honesty, this is one of the most important things that we can do is to ask the Lord for help. Most of us, we try to shoulder too much of the burden. We try to, uh, you know, use our own effort too much. Uh, but it's very important for us to remember that God is our God. That means, you know, he loves us and he supplies the things that we need, whether it be peace whether it be love, whether it be provision, no matter what it is, our help comes from above. And too many times we get so active in our own lives and we try to manipulate our own circumstances. We need to remember that we belong to God. We're a child of God and God is going to watch out for his children. It's like, he, like Jesus said that there's not one sparrow that falls to the ground without God knowing about it. Amen. And, and, and if not one sparrow falls to the ground without God knowing about it, God knows what you're going through. God knows what you're going through. He knows the choppy waters you may have to go through or the dark nights you may have to go through. He knows. And so that's why it's so important to just reach out and say, God, help. Help, Lord. And I love the way that this psalm starts. So it's um, a psalm of David. Now watch this. Help, Lord, for the godly man ceases. For the faithful fail from among the children of men. Now listen to this. The godly man ceases. Now if you could characterize a problem in the church today, it would be very well summed up with the godly man has ceased. Well, you, and you can come at this from many different angles. One of the things that you see in the church is a, you know, just like with the rise of feminism in the nation, there's been a rise of that in the church. And everybody's telling the, the, you know, the men of the church to get in touch with their feminine side. We don't have feminine sides. We're guys, right? And, and guys need to be godly men. Godly men have important roles that we're supposed to play. We both have roles. Godly women are supposed to be one way and godly men are supposed to be another way. And, and what you see in this passage, though, is that the godly man has ceased. The godly man's not accounted for anymore. One of the problems that you see, you know, oftentimes in Scripture is like whenever you look at the book of Judges in Gideon's time, God was looking for somebody to use and he couldn't find nobody until he, he found Gideon on the threshing floor in hiding. Right? And he didn't look like a man because he was in hiding, right? But God saw something in him. 
There was something in him that God saw. There was some godly attributes to him that nobody else saw. Every, all of us, when we look at that story and we see Gideon down there on that threshing floor hiding, you know, trying to, so the Midianites don't see him, we see, man, he's weak. But there was something that God saw past all of that. It's the same kind of thing whenever, um, whenever David's father had his, all his brothers lined up, right, to see who was going to be the king, right? Who's going to be the king? And what happened? Samuel said, not him, not him, not him, not him, not him. You got another one? Because it's not none of these. It's not none of these. You see, God and all of the other brothers, they, they were tall, they were good looking, you know, broad shoulders. They had the look. But God looks not on the outward, but on the inward. Amen? Whenever God looks at qualities for a godly person, He's not looking at the outward quality. So he's not looking for somebody that's charismatic. He's not looking for somebody that, quote, unquote, has it all together, right, that drives the nice cars and does all this kind of stuff. He's not looking for that. That doesn't impress God. What God looks for is the heart of a person. He's looking for godly characteristics in a person's life. And so whenever, whenever this statement is made here that the godly man ceases, we're talking about there's a quality of individual that is not around anymore. And you could look at the church today and say that's pretty well stated because there's not a lot of people that are godly left anymore. A lot of people are selfish. A lot of people are, you know, worldly. A lot of people have a lot of issues. But where are the godly? Where's the men of God? Where are the men of God to lead the church today back to the place where we're supposed to be? You know, the, the safe path, the path that we're supposed to be on is, is that straight and narrow path. You know, as, as Jeremiah said, the, the old paths, that's what the roads that we're supposed to walk on, the ones that have already been made. We're not supposed to be making new roads and doing church this and doing this. We're supposed to be following God the way that God's always said to follow him. Amen? So the godly man has ceased. And whenever we're looking at this message and we're looking at these messages, we're looking at the characteristics of a godly person. That's what we're going to be looking at is what are the fundamental characteristics that, that make up a godly person? Because, it, it does, you know, just because somebody goes to church doesn't mean that they're godly. Amen. Just because somebody, you know, carries a Bible with them doesn't mean that they're godly. Amen. Just because somebody tells you, I prayed for you, doesn't mean they're godly. A lot of predators will tell you that. Hey, I prayed for you. Let's, you know, let's Bible study together. Let's do this together. Let's do that together. And a lot of people will take advantage of other people, okay? So the outward appearance is not what we're talking about when we're looking at a godly person. We're looking at the heart, the characteristic from the spiritual side of things. The very first statement that's made after this, notice the very first statement that's made after it. It says, for the faithful fail from among the children of men. So... A, a great way to sum up somebody that is godly is somebody that is faithful. Faithfulness sums up godliness. And you see, the faithful fail from the children of men. The godly have ceased. That means you can't find a godly person. You can't find a faithful person right now. When you look out in the church world, you look out here, you look out there, you don't see many that are faithful. You don't see many that are godly. And we're talking about men but when God's looking for godly people, he's looking for godly women too. There was a time, in, in I was uh, referencing judges earlier. How many of y'all remember Deborah? How many of y'all remember Deborah? You know, God's looking for a man to, to do a job, but if God can't find one, he'll use her. He'll use her. I mean, God will use a woman, but he's going to use a godly woman. He's going he's gonna to use a woman whose heart burns for him who has these same spiritual attributes or the same resume that, that, that we're talking about tonight, the godly resume. So the number one thing that we're going to be um, talking about tonight is faithfulness. Um, I heard a statement one time that just is amazing. It says that fa it takes faith to be faithful. Many of y'all recognize what that means. It takes faith to be faithful. 
Because being faithful means doing the same thing, the right thing, over and over and over and over and over. And sometimes you don't see what you want to see. Amen? You know, faith is believing and not seeing. That's what faith is. And if you're faithful, it means you have a consistent habit of doing, believing, acting on things that you don't see. Amen? It's like, you know, sometimes we may, you know, we may do something and, and you want somebody to notice it, right? And if they don't notice it, you quit doing it. It means you were being faithful for the wrong reason, right? Faithfulness comes from a place of doing the right thing. It takes faith because you've got to get into this place where you do the right thing over and over and over and over no matter what you see with your eyes, no matter whether somebody thanks you, no matter whether somebody notices. And listen, it sometimes it takes faith to do the right thing because sometimes things don't change overnight. Sometimes things don't change overnight. You know how many times I've heard um, testimonies of wives that have prayed for their husbands or husbands that have prayed for their wives. And you know what? They didn't stop after one night. Some, now, some women have. But these testimonies, they didn't get a testimony. You see, these ones that got testimonies, they didn't stop. They prayed, and they prayed, and they prayed, and they didn't see anything change, but they were faithful. And they prayed, and they prayed, and they prayed. And one day, sometimes 10 years, 8 years, heard one 20 years later, God opened the eyes of the spouse's heart. Amen? Would it not be worth it? If you had to pray every day for 20 years, wouldn't it be worth it? But look, we, we can shake our head right now, but when push comes to shove, it would take a lot of faith because after about, you know, a thousand times of praying the same prayer, you're going to say, I don't think they're going to get it. It takes faith to do the right thing when you don't see what you want to see. So when you pray for your children, you pray for your nation, we're praying that, that God would rid our nation of abortion and same-sex marriage, and you, you might pray for your home or your grandchildren or whatever, and you don't, see the, you don't see the result you want. It doesn't mean you stop. God's looking for people who will press on, who will continue on, who will pray onward. Amen? and keep on believing and doing what we're supposed to do no matter what we see with our eyes. And, and most of the time, when you start praying, sometimes it'll get worse. Sometimes the situation will get worse, but that, that just means that you've got the enemy's attention. You've got to keep on pressing through, amen, and be faithful in that thing. Now, one of the things about faithfulness that, that we need to recognize is faithfulness is very much akin to diligence. Diligence and faithfulness are very much similar. And diligence is a characteristic that God looks for in a worker. You, you can all look through Proverbs. How many times God uses the word diligent? The, you know, the diligent is the person that, that God's going to use and bless. A diligent person is someone who's like clockwork. A diligent person, you don't have to come behind them. And, and you know, if, if you give them a task, you don't have to come behind them and, and think about whether they did it or not. A diligent person will do it. And they will do it, and they will do it, and they will do it, and they will do it again. They won't stop. A diligent person will always do what they're supposed to do. And God blesses the diligent person. So diligence and faithfulness are very much connected. And so when we're looking at, you know what? There's no more godly people out there. There's no more faithful people out there. We're, we're, what we're doing is we're saying that, that everybody, everybody's quitting, everybody's stopping, everybody is you know, going the way they want to go and doing what they want to do. And when they don't get the result they want, you know what we do? We throw a little toddler temper tantrum and we throw our hands in the air and we get mad at everybody. Amen. But God's looking for somebody who's going to be faithful. 
So if we're gonna if we're gonna have a resume for a godly person and, and be built up into the man or the woman of God that God wants us to be, faithfulness has to be one of the biggest attributes that we go after. I'm gonna show you this in just a second. If you're not faithful, there's a lot of issues. Faithfulness will reveal where you truly are in your walk with God. If you're not a faithful person, it, it actually will lie on you. Now, faithfulness, just in its definition, it, it, um, it's just kind of interesting. You got to think a little bit. It means firm, reliable, permanent, and properly built. So somebody that's faithful, I'll say it, my, you know, in my, my vernacular, a faithful person is constant. You can rely on them. A faithful person is constant. They're, 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 they're just there. Amen? They're just there. It's kind of like, you know, if you had a faithful dog, what do you mean whenever you say you have a faithful dog? When you say you have a faithful dog, that means everywhere you go, that dog goes. It's like old yeller, right? It's always there, always there, always there. That's what it means to be faithful. And it means to be constant and reliable, to be firm, founded on the rock. And so faithfulness in, in this context, like we said, is a quality that God's looking for in, in his people. And I'll show you this. Um, turn over to Luke chapter 16. Luke chapter 16. And we'll begin with verse number 10 over here. Luke chapter number 16 and verse 10. Jesus said, He that is gifted. He said, He that has a PhD. No. He that watched that YouTube sermon. It says, he that is faithful, faithful. You know, the interesting thing about this, I, I remember whenever I was, whenever God was first revealing these things to me, whenever I was a new believer, and I thought, you know, I, I want to do something for you, God. You know, you've got all these things that you've put in my heart. I just don't know what to do. And God said, be faithful. Can't you do that? If you can't do that, you can't do anything else. What? If you can't be faithful, you can't do anything else. You might do it, but it's not for God. It's for you. That, that's the cold-hearted truth. You, you know, we, we sometimes will do things and try to elevate self. God knows the difference. I heard a minister, I, I mean, he turned around to his choir, and he said, you know, some of y'all hit those notes so that people will know how good you sing. And some of y'all hit those notes to glorify God. And God knows the difference. And I mean, he turned around and he spoke that right to that choir. It was like a mic drop moment if they had that. And, and faithfulness is when you do the right thing when nobody's watching. This is why it's, it's akin to diligence, and it's also, it's tied in with integrity. Integrity is one of those qualities or characteristics in a person's life that, you know what, giftedness can't compare to integrity or faithfulness. God doesn't look for the gifted and call them to ministry. God doesn't do that. God doesn't look out amongst the body of Christ and say, who's the best speaker? Who's the most, you know, gifted person out there? God doesn't look for that. I'll show you what God looks for in just a second. Look at this verse. It says, he that is faithful. And I remember um, whenever, I, whenever I was, you know, learning this, whenever God was showing me, I thought, you know, and, and he said, if you could just be faithful, <laughs> right? If you could just be faithful. You know what? I may not know everything, but God, I'll be faithful. I, I, I may not understand everything as of yet, 
you know, I was I may not understand the difference between this denomination or that denomination or this theological principle or that theological principle. I may not know whether you're coming or going, you know. I don't know what eschatology means or whatever. I may not know all that, but I can be faithful, God. I can do what you ask me to do. Whenever you're whenever the church asks me to do something, I'll do it. When you want me to do something, I'll do it. When the Holy Spirit leads me to do something, I'll do it. I can be faithful. I can do that. And if you'll be faithful, God will also be faithful. And God will build you up. But this is the first step to have a resume that God can use, okay? Faithfulness is a very important characteristic. It says, he that is faithful in that which is least is faithful also in much. And he that is unjust in the least is unjust also in much. Now, this verse is very profound, but look at this. If you are faithful in that which is least, that means the the things that nobody else wants to do. If God knows that you'll be faithful in the things that nobody else wants to do, and you'll be faithful when nobody's looking, and you'll be faithful when there's no reward, God knows. And God knows then that you'll also be faithful over bigger things. But if you can't be faithful over the little things, God knows he can't trust you with the bigger things. If, if you know, if, if God says, you know, do this, do this, or whatever, and you say, well, nobody cares. Nobody's watching. I mean, what's it going to hurt? Well, God's looking for faithfulness, not giftedness. Amen? God's looking for faithfulness, not giftedness. He's looking for people that will come after him from their heart, not from their abilities. Okay? And so when God's looking at someone, he's looking for this faithful quality or characteristic in somebody's life. If, if you say, you know what, um, and, and, you know, this is true, you know, this happens a lot. Somebody says, you know what, God's doing a lot in my life. I want to give my time to the Lord. I'm going to come up here and I'm going to, you know, uh, pull weeds in the church lawn, you know, from now till eternity, right? You know how many times they'll do it? Once. Do it one time. That's it. Well, you know what? It doesn't hurt my feelings. Just, I mean, it doesn't hurt anybody else's feelings, but you know what? It just shows to God where, where you are. It, it's, it's about faithfulness. That's what God's looking for. It's, you know, if you see, um, you know, see a piece of bubblegum wrapper on the floor, you don't think you can pick it up, right? Some, well, somebody else will get it. Somebody else will get it. You know what? If you can't do the little thing, God's not going to trust you to do the big thing. If you, can't, if you can't lift up that piece of gum wrapper, you know, and, and, and keep God's house clean, God knows he can't trust you to do bigger things. But if he knows, if he points out a bubble gum wrapper to you, you'll get down there and get it, he knows he can trust you with other stuff too. Amen? So faithfulness is a major, a major litmus test that God uses, a major litmus test. You know, I was, I was in a, ch- a church one time, and they said, you know, you want to be a part of ministry here, you got to wear a tie every time to church. You got to wear a tie every time, every time, every time. You got to wear a tie. Okay. Well, what happens when the pastor's not there? Some people don't wear ties. What does that show you? Not faithful. Not faithful. Not faithful. And they'll say, oh, it's a silly rule. Pastor wants us to wear a tie every time. I mean, come on. It's you know, Wednesday night, or it's this, or it's that. Nobody else is here. There's only a few of us here, you know. But you know what? They weren't faithful. It's not about the fact that we're in the tie. The tie don't get you to heaven. But, but it's a test to show whether you're faithful or not. And faithfulness is a quality, okay? Faithfulness is a quality of your character, your character. So it just reveals where we are. When we're not faithful in things, it reveals where our hearts are. So you might say, well, that's a silly rule that the church made up. I'm not doing it, you know, or I'm only going to do it if the pastor's watching. Well, you know what? That, that's fine, but God sees, you know, pastors, it's, pastor's not going to judge you on judgment day. 
Pastor's not. God is. And God's the one that sees our hearts. God's the one that sees our motives. Amen? So God's looking for, you know, these people that will be faithful in the least. In the least. That means doing things that God puts on your heart when nobody else sees it. God may tell you to do something and not let anybody know who did it. If you don't, if you don't think that's true, look back, you know, in Matthew chapter 6, whenever Jesus is talking about prayer. He said, don't let your, you know, right hand know what the left hand's doing. You know, don't go pray in secret, not out in open. And you want to pray out in open, you've got your reward. But don't, and, and if you give, don't let your left hand know what your right hand gave. You know, what does that mean? It means doing things discreetly, not looking. You know that some people, that if they were, you know, I'll give you an example how you can tell the difference. Bubble gum wrapper on the floor, right? After a message like this, two people pick it up, right? One person just takes it to the trash. The other person, whoo, I feel faithful now. Look at me, y'all. I feel Right? Look at what I'm doing. I feel faithful today. What's the difference? One person's looking for men. The other person's looking for God. That's the difference. So faithfulness is a characteristic. It's an attribute that God looks for in his people. And this is what separates. This is a, a, a poor way of putting it, but this is, you know, this is what separates the, the cream from the crop. Or, you know, this is what separates. Here's the separation. It's a litmus test. Faithfulness. If God knows you're not going to be faithful in the little things, he knows he can't trust you with the big ones. And in the converse aspect, he knows if you'll cheat in the little things, you'll cheat in the big things too. That's what the rest of that verse says. If you're unjust in the least, you'll be unjust in the most. That means if, if you'll steal a pencil from your, from your job, it's just a five-cent pencil. If you'll steal a pencil from your job, God's word says, if you're giving the opportunity and nobody's looking, you'll take more. If they ever put you in charge of money or they ever put you in charge of this or in charge of that, when the right time comes and, and you know nobody's going to notice, you'll take it. So it reveals where we are. If you're unjust with a pencil, you'll be unjust with millions. And if you'll be faithful in the little, you'll be faithful with more. That's, that's, that's God's litmus test. And that's what God looks for in an individual that he's going to use. This is why it's a resume builder. You want to get, get on God's building team? You want to start building for the kingdom of God? Become faithful. It's the first, the first thing you got to do. Become faithful. It doesn't take talent. It takes heart. It takes heart. And being faithful. Here's the other thing about faithfulness is sometimes that, you know, you may have to do things. You may have to do things and not get the thanks for it. I told you earlier that it takes faith to be faithful. You may have to be, you, God may ask you to do things. Don't expect everybody to light fireworks after you do it. Because if you do, I'm telling you right now, you've done it for the wrong reasons. One of the, one of the first lessons, you know, you got to learn whenever you start preaching is you can't, you can't live off of men's applause because one Sunday everybody likes you and the next Sunday they hate you. You know, one Sunday everybody, it's the best sermon ever heard. Next Sunday, that's the worst sermon I ever heard. You can't live off of men's applause. You've got to serve God, do what God says, and keep your eyes on him. And if I've got to do that, you've got to do that too. Whatever role you serve in, however you, you know, whatever ministry you serve in, whatever capacity of ministry you play, you've got to keep your eyes on Jesus and not look for the fireworks, not look for the, oh, you did a great job. Come on, you don't work for me. You don't work for him. You don't work for them. You work for God. And God's going to give you the recompense of your reward in due time. God's going to bless you in the right time. Men may thank you now. Men may, you know, put your name on a billboard and flashing lights or something. But that don't mean nothing. That don't mean nothing. In fact, it might even hinder you. What means something is when you'll be faithful in the little things and not care for the reward on earth. Because then you've got a reward in heaven. 
then you're laying up treasures in heaven. Amen? You're laying up treasures in heaven, as Jesus said. So here in this passage, um, you see that it, um, he that's faithful in, in the least is faithful in the much. Listen to this. If therefore you have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, who will commit to your trust the true riches? You, you know, if, if, if you can't be faithful to, let's say, you know, um, I've seen this happen before, you know. Uh, we're going to have a meeting at such and such time. You can't be faithful to be there at that such and such time, right? You can't be faithful in things like that. Who's going to entrust to you true riches? Let's remember why we do what we do, amen? And so, you know, that's, it's just important to remember that this is a, a, a very, um, this is the number one quality that God's looking for when he's looking to use somebody. It says, and if you have not been faithful in that which is another man's, who shall give you that which is your own? Now, we're going to continue this on just a little bit further. Let me show you something over in 1 Timothy chapter number 1. So 1 Timothy chapter number 1. I want to show you something about the apostle Paul. Now over here in this passage, we're going to see what God saw in Paul. So 1 Timothy chapter number 1, beginning in verse number 11, it says, According to the glorious gospel of the blessed God, which was committed to to my trust. And listen to this. God entrusted the gospel to Paul. You agree? God used Paul mightily. God entrusted the gospel to him. You know that Paul was put in situations that we would all fold in. How many of us would keep preaching if you got beaten after you preached? Well, people do it. What about beaten to death? That may change our minds. What about put in prison? All right. What about if people starve you, leave you hungry, naked, cold? What if people turn their backs on you? But Paul continued on. God entrusted the gospel to Paul. Now, Paul wasn't, you know, Paul wasn't um, wholly apart from Christ. You with me? But there was something that God saw in this guy that he used him. He used him. Watch this. In the, next, in the next verse, in verse number 12. And I thank Christ Jesus our Lord, who hath enabled me, for that he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. What did God see in Paul? He was faithful. If he said he was going to do something, he was going to do it. He didn't do it for a reward from men. If you looked at his life, you could definitely say he didn't care what men thought. You looked at his life, you could definitely say he didn't do it to get his name written in lights. He did what he did because he was faithful to God. The results are up to God. But faithfulness was a characteristic that God saw in Paul. I mean, this is resume building 101. Wow, God, you entrusted the gospel to me, and I thank you that you enabled me because you counted me faithful. That's what he's saying. God didn't say, okay, well, there was a lot of things about Paul that went to the benefit because he was a, he was a rabbi and he knew all the he knew the law inward and outward. I mean, he had he had so much learning and knowledge sitting at the feet of Gamaliel, all these things. But God saw faithfulness in there. And that's what God used because all that book learning when you're when you've been stoned to death and then brought back to life, book learning don't help you. That that's becomes a matter of the heart. 
whether you're going to continue on and keep serving God and keep preaching this gospel that he entrusted to you. You see, when people beat you down and whip you with the 39 lashes, you know, all those times that he got it and shipwrecked and left for dead and all these things. And, and, you know, I've told you before, testimonies from the early church, they say that, that when he was beaten, he was marred so much that he, he, he had to walk with a cane. He had to walk with a limp, and he was hunched over his back. He was disfigured in his face. And if you've ever seen uh, somebody get stoned, and they still stone people in, in Muslim countries today, for, you know, but if you ever see that, you know if somebody gets stoned, they're going to be disfigured on the backside of it. And Paul got stoned to death and brought back to life. So, you know, I think those testimonies are true. But he, you know, disfigured, walking with a limp, hunched over, face disfigured, but he's faithful. He's there when he says he's going to be there. And you better watch out. That's the Corinthian church. Your house better be in order when Paul gets there. He says, if you don't think so, you just wait till I get there. <laughs> you better have your stuff put together before I get there. That's why he wrote them letters. He was good on fair warning. He was given them fair warning because he was going to set things straight. And he'd rather do it with a letter. Amen? Amen. Now, um, so in this passage, you see that this characteristic that God sees in Paul, he enabled him or gave him the ability because Paul was faithful. And look what he said before. Uh, he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. So, if you ever, you know, want to do anything for God, and you may not become a full-time preacher, but if you're going to, you know, and, and all of us should have, we should be hands on deck in um, 2019. This is a hands on deck time, guys. You know, the church world is in a, is teeter-tottering on which way we're going to go. The church world, you know, is, is, it's right there in the middle. We can't decide whether we're going to serve God or mammon. God or Baal. We can't decide. We're just kind of stuck in the middle. And there's, there's, a, there's a, a tearing that's going on in the church. You're seeing a division that's beginning to set in in the church. And if there was ever a time for the church to get serious, it's now. If there was ever a time for the church to get serious, it's now. And you may, you may say, well, I'm not called to full-time ministry. I'm not a preacher. But look, it's time for all hands on deck. It's time to stop playing games. It, you know, it's time, and what I mean by that is, it's time to get involved in ministries. It's time to start serving in outreach somewhere. One of the things that we encourage at our church is that you serve in a ministry in the church and you serve in a ministry out the church, but be faithful to the church. Amen? That's what we encourage because that's healthy. That's what we're supposed to do. And you'll grow, but you've got to keep all those things in proper balance. Amen? You've got to keep all those, all those things in proper balance. And what God's looking for is faithfulness. Amen? Looking for faithfulness. And Paul said, that is the reason he put me into ministry. Put me into ministry. So don't go into ministry without a faithfulness mindset. Don't go, don't go serve at the rescue mission. Don't go serve, you know, on a mission to, if you're not faithful. If you're not faithful. Because that means you're doing it for the wrong reason. That means you're doing it for your own glory or for a guilty conscience or whatever the case may be. But do things to be faithful to the Holy Spirit that's leading you there. If, 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 if you think, you know, every time I think about ministry, I always think about the care pregnancy center. That's the Holy Spirit telling you to go serve. That's the Holy Spirit telling you to get involved in the battle for babies. That's, you know, or if, if, you know, every time you pray, you, just, I'm, you know, every time I pray, I'm just thinking about the people at the rescue mission. That's God telling you to get in the battle, to get in the battle. Amen? And you physically might, you physically might be able to, I, I can't do nothing. You can pray. You can pray. You, maybe you can write letters of encouragement to the people that work there. Amen? Say, look, I'm praying for you today. I, I just, I'm writing a letter, and I'm going to drop it in the mail. I just want you to know, keep on keeping on. You're doing the right thing. You got people behind you. Press on, brother. You know how much that will lift up the, the, the people? Amen? 
to continue on to, you know, you've got to recognize that we're in a battle. We're, this is an army of God, and we're in a battle. And sometimes, sometimes people are, um, you know, one of uh, ministers said, you know, sometimes you're, you're on the front lines and sometimes you're in the back. And if you're in the back, if you're not on the front line, get engaged. Cheer them on. You know, pray. Write letters. Do whatever you can do for the kingdom of God. You don't know what God will do through faithfulness. You don't know what God will do through faithfulness. See, that same kind of mindset is what almost stopped Gideon. Because whenever whenever God told Gideon, all right, I'm going to use you, Gideon said, me? I'm the youngest of the least of the tribe of Benjamin. I'm the youngest of the least of the tribe of Benjamin. What do you mean me? You can't use me. And so many people have that mindset. You can't use me, God. Yes, he can. Yes, he can. He can use you. Pray. If you can physically help, physically help. If you can't physically help, do something else. Make phone calls. Write letters. Intercede. You know, let people know that you're with them. Amen? And above all else, be faithful to what the Holy Spirit lays on your heart. That's what God's looking for. And that was the characteristic that God saw in Paul. He said, it's faithful. I can entrust the gospel to that guy. He's faithful. He's not going to, there's no stop on him. Amen? He's going to want one of my, uh, one of my pastors told me one time, you know, he would drive four hours to a church. They asked him to come preach. First time he went to go preach, there was one person in the, in, in the room, right? One person. But you know what he did? He preached that whole sermon that he studied. But, you know, I know a lot of people that would say, well, let's just call it a day. Or let's just have a quick word of prayer and we'll go home. But you know what? He was faithful. He was faithful to God and he was faithful to serve that guy. And he did it several times. He would drive four hours Wake up early on Sunday morning, drive four hours, and faithfully preach to one guy, sometimes two, then the next week back to one. But you know what? That guy preaches to millions of people a year now. He does because God saw he was faithful. God saw he was faithful. And it's not about, oh, I want to be in front of me. No, God's looking for people he can use. And the first quality he looks for is faithfulness. So if you want to have a resume built, you know, for a vessel that God can use to build the kingdom of the Lord, you want to be on that team, you want to get involved, first quality he's looking for is faithfulness, faithfulness. Now, one of the things that, that you see is we were talking about godliness, and, and whenever David wrote that in the Psalms, you know, the godly man ceases, the faithful man fails. Where is he? You see that godliness and faithfulness are connected. Amen? Are connected. Um, just go over just a few more chapters to chapter 6, and let me show you something here. But I will, I will say this about faithfulness. Y'all remember in Matthew chapter number 25, whenever Jesus told a, a story about servants, Right? And there was, um, there was one that Jesus welcomed into the kingdom. And he said, well done, good and talented servant. Oh, no, yeah, that's right. Well done, good and wise servant. Well done, good and learned servant. No, he said, well done, good and faithful servant servant see how important faithfulness is to God the more you look at this this thing just it it connects so many different passages in the Bible and so many different teachings God looks for faithfulness what do you do when nobody's looking and why do you do what you do what do you do when nobody's looking and why do you do what you do and will you continue to do it when it looks like it's not making a difference. This is what faithfulness is. It's nitty-gritty. Another way of saying it is, it's somebody that, that has those gut-check moments that continues on. Amen? 
It continues on. All right, in, in 1 Timothy chapter number 6, look over here at verse number 5. It's talking about false teachers, but we'll just kind of flip it around in just a second. It says, uh, just kind of continuing, it says, perverse disputings of men, of corrupt minds, destitute of the truth, supposing that gain is godliness. Now, these are false teachers, right? Supposing that gain is godliness. From such, sow your seed into their ministry. Oh, that's right. Withdraw yourself. You see, people that think gain is godliness, that's the people that say, sow into this, sow into this ministry and you'll gain something. I mean, verbatim. Verbatim. People that teach you gain is godliness are wrong. According to the word of God right there. Somebody tells you you got to give into this ministry so that you can get something from God, it's wrong. God can't be bought. Amen. God gives. God gives. God can't be bought. So somebody that supposes gain is godliness, from such withdraw thyself. Next verse. But godliness with contentment is great gain. So we're not talking about worldly gain. We're not talking about, you know, you sow $20, you'll get $20,000. We're not talking about worldly gain. The great gain God's looking for in our lives is what? Godliness with contentment. Godliness and faithfulness are connected. Somebody that's godly, this is the resume we're trying to build, with contentment. If you're content to be godly, right? If that's enough, it's great gain for you. Now watch this. Let's move down to verse number 10. It says, for the love of money is the root of all evil. Not money is the root of all evil. The love of money is the root of all evil, which while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. But thou, O man of God, flee these things and follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, meekness fight the good fight of faith lay hold an eternal life fight the good fight of faith follow righteousness godliness fight the good fight of faith do you see how these things are connected God's looking for people who will follow after godly characteristics who will follow after his heart, who will follow after his ways. And listen, it says, fight the good fight of faith. Never forget that faith is a fight. Faith is a fight between what God's telling you and what your eyes see. Faith is a fight between what, what God's telling you and what you feel in your heart. Faith is a fight between what God's telling you and what the devil whispers to you. So you have, a, you have a fight on your hands between what God says and what you see, what you feel, and what you hear the enemy whisper. So you have a, this battle that you've got to fight, and it takes faithfulness, right? It takes faith to be faithful takes faithfulness. You've got to continue to do the right thing no matter what, no matter when you see the right results. So when you're talking about praying for the salvation of a child or a grandchild or a spouse or a president or a congressman or um, a world leader or whatever it may be, or you're, you're praying for a revival in your church or you're praying for, you know, uh, somebody to uh, you know, be healed, or you're praying for this, or you're praying for that. Don't stop. 
Don't stop. You're praying for somebody to get delivered from homosexuality or alcohol or whatever it may be. Don't stop. Be faithful. Show God for one time that you can be faithful. Lord, I haven't been faithful up to this point, but from right here, God, I'm going to be faithful. This is a, a, a mindset. Amen? This is a mindset that God puts in his people. And some people, they just don't have it. And that's why God doesn't put them in ministry. That's why God doesn't use them. is because some people just aren't faithful. But God looks for faithfulness. And that's what he honors. That's why, you know, I, we always have, um, you know, silly things. You know, not silly, but, you know, well, if you want to do this, you first have to do this. Because if you can be faithful in this, then I know you'll be faithful in that. Amen? It's like, you know, ask our worship team. Sometimes I'm like, all right, y'all got to be faithful to church, right? Be faithful in that. Then you can do that. But if you can't be faithful to this, why? Because that's what, that's what God honors. God honors faithfulness, not talent. We do that with all our ministries, you know. If somebody serves in children's church and they never come to church except for the time they do children's church, they're going to get a talk. Hey, you can't do it this way. You've got to be faithful to the church first. You've got to be faithful to God. Then you can serve. That's, that's how God does it. So that's how we're going to do it. You know? And that's what God looks for in individuals. God looks for, God looks for people that are faithful first, not talented. Amen? You might say God looks for, you know, God looks for whoever's available. He does, but he looks for faithful people that are available. That's why God chose Gideon. That's why God chose Gideon. Because once Gideon got it through his head that God was going to use him, once Gideon got it through his head, Gideon didn't stop. Gideon didn't stop. There was no quit in him after that. Amen? I mean, he went and did what he was supposed to do. And you'll see that in the people that God used in the Bible. They're faithful. They're faithful. The godly people that God uses in the Bible. You'll see there's a faithfulness there. Look at David, man after God's own heart. How faithful was he? He wouldn't kill Saul when he had the opportunity. Why? He's the king. He's the king. And the, and the young boy that killed him, right? David had that young guy killed. Why? Faithful to God. God said, don't touch the king. I'm not touching the king. I'm not touching him. You don't touch him. Nobody touches the king. He's faithful. He's faithful. But what about his, his bond between him and, and Jonathan? David's bond between him and Jonathan. You know what? After Jonathan died, David was still faithful to that covenant that he made. Mephibosheth, right? He was still faithful to Jonathan's son and honored him and brought him into the king's palace and fed him all the days of his life because he was faithful. He did what he said he was going to do. That's why... God used him. That's why whenever Jesse lined up all his sons, that's why God passed over each one of them because God was looking for faithful David who would, who would do what he was supposed to do. Do what he was supposed to do. And if you remember, whenever he fought Goliath, I'll wind it down. You remember whenever he fought Goliath? Before David knew what was going on, he said, who is this that defies God? That's what he said. And then they told him, well, this guy's doing this, and, um, you know, uh, King Saul said whoever, you know, kills him is going to get to marry one of his daughters. Well, you know what? But he was on it before he knew that there was a prize to be had. He was on it because somebody was defying his God and he was faithful. He was diligent. Amen? He was steady. He's doing what's right, no matter what it is. And he was going to go after Goliath even if there wasn't a, a, a woman to marry. He was going to do the right thing. And that's what God looks for in the heart of us. This is what God saw in Paul. Entrusted him with the gospel. Not because he spoke eloquently, 
He didn't say, you enabled me because you saw that I'm of such fair speech. He said, because you found me faithful, you enabled me and put me into the ministry. That's what God's looking for. So if we're going to begin to be a vessel, and I'll I'll just say this, you know, in, in the day and hour that we live in, in the day and hour that we live in, the church, has it needs to dust itself off and get up and get in the battle. We're in, a, we're in an hour as the church when we've got to take this matter seriously. It's, it's, like, it's like the matter in the, in the schools, right? They don't allow prayer in the schools, you know? We, we got to take it to the governor, take it to the president. We need, you know, this and we need that. You know what? If you're mad because the school won't allow your teacher to pray with your child, my question is, do you pray with your child? Because what it, what it is, honestly, is people who, who want to put the spiritual, you know, thing on the school when they don't do the spiritual thing in their home. Oh, you should, you're not going to believe what they let the kids watch in school. Well, what are they watching at your house on Friday night, right? Why are you going to get mad about that and then you do the right? What is that? It's it's unfaithful, unbalanced scales, expecting them to do something that you're not doing. God's looking for faithful people who do the right thing all the time, every time, and for the right reason. And that is somebody that God will use. And in this hour, when we've got, you know, abortion rammed down our throat, homosexual marriage rammed down our throat, and we've got an apostate church on our hands and false teachers in our camp, when we've got all kinds of chaos going on in the church world, what are we doing sitting on the sidelines? What what are we doing not getting engaged in the battle? How much... How much advancement are we going to allow the enemy to take before we say, you know what, that's enough. That's enough. One minister I heard after the, the homosexual ruling came down from the Supreme Court that tells us, you know, how to live. They, whenever, they, whenever that ruling came down, he said, as much as I hate it, my prayer is that the church all over the nation finally says enough. And, and the, all the prayer meetings are full. All the church houses are full. But you know what? They was just as empty as the week before. Closest we ever got to it was the Sunday after 9-11. Everybody went to church that Sunday because everybody was scared. The feel, and the, that feeling wore off. It wore off, and now we're in a worse state than we were. We're in a worse state than we were. We're asleep at the wheel, and, and yet, and yet, the church has no stomach for it. Church has no stomach for it right now, and so if we're going to get involved in the battle, get engaged in this, in this issue that's in front of us, which is contending for the faith, and it's only going to get worse, the, 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 the worse the country goes, the worse false things that are going to be coming up through the church. So we've got issues on our hands. We've got to get some warriors. We've got to get some intercessors. We've got to get some prayer warriors. We've got to get all hands on deck. But you know what? All that to say, Lord could come back tomorrow. Lord could come back tomorrow. And even if he does... I'll tell you what he's looking for. Well done, good and faithful servant. He's not looking for faithless servants when he comes back. Looking for faithful servants. So even if America never turns it around and we never get the church on the right track again and we never see revival, we never see a move of God in our nation again, even if we never see any of that, we just got to do what we're supposed to do because we're supposed to do it. Because we're faithful. And that's what faithful folks do. And that's why David wondered. Godly man ceases. Where is he at? Where's the godly man? 
Where's the faithful men? They have failed. Where are they? They're fishing, watching ball games. They're worried about this and worried about that. And they're gone. And God's going to raise up a new generation of faithful men. God's going to raise up a new generation of faithful women. God's going to raise up a new generation of faithful servants. God's going to use, and look, God uses what the world doesn't think he would use. Third reference on this, when God chose David, nobody else thought he would choose David. You may not be the sharpest tool in the drawer, but if you're faithful, God will use you. And see, David, he was the shortest, right? He wasn't tall, wasn't, he didn't look the part. You may not look the part. God's not worried about looks. He's not worried about talents. God will equip you. God will shield you. And if you're faithful, God will use you. Amen? Amen. So if you want to be used of God, first step to having that resume filled out is being faithful. First step. Amen? So as, as we continue in this, uh, the, the plan is we'll, we'll continue filling out this resume on a vessel that God will use, on a vessel that God will use. You know, that there's a lot of times that you may be asked to do something and not get thanks for it. I mean, hopefully not for me. I mean, I, I try to, but there's times that God may ask you to do something. God may, God, you know what? God may tell you to go cut your neighbor's grass or you know, go get their newspaper for them or something like that. And they may get mad at you for doing it. But if God told you to do it, okay. Right? Right? And that's, that's the kind of the crux of the matter. You might, and if you're in your flesh, you're going to say, well, not only did they not thank me, they yelled at me for doing it. But if you're walking in the Spirit... You're, you're just going to say, okay, well, they've got an issue with it, but I'm just serving God. I'm just doing this because God told me to do it. I was praying, and God told me to come over here and do this, and I did it. That's the kind of people that God's looking for. Amen? Aren't you glad of that? Aren't you glad of that?